0: Spreading Cajun across the nation. Pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Raging Review. Made by the fans, for the fans.
1: Cajun Nation, Happy New Year. Welcome to Region Review Matt Miguez here Jerry A Bear and man about town Josh Jagno joining me as always welcome to what is looking to be a very promising year for Louisiana Raging Cajun Athletics uh 2020 was a great one and we're hoping for for bigger and better in 2021 gentlemen welcome in
2: hello Hello, Matt. What's
1: up, fellas? So you know, like I like I said off the top, 2020 was a phenomenal year to be a part of of Louisiana athletics. Albeit, we we were in the middle of a global pandemic and still currently are here in 2021. But you know, from a from an athletic standpoint, 2020 couldn't have gotten much better.
3: Um. Yeah, I, I think I think with the circumstances that we had to deal with, um, you know, baseball season getting cut short, softball season getting cut short, two seasons that we had promised, that showed promise, that just basically said, you know, we have to cancel for obvious reasons. Um, in spite of that, in spite of everything, such as the question marks going into football season, you know, are we going to have a football season? Will the football season be postponed for the spring? Are we going to be playing conference, non-conference, you know, whatever? Um, it it actually turned out okay based on the circumstances. Uh, And so I guess it's one of those things, it's like in the song, Hey Jude, you know, you take a sad song and make it better. And one thing they did was they they took a sad song with this pandemic and they made it better by by doing everything they could to have a football season, you know, to bring a sense of normality to the people here, to the fans. Um, You know, like I said, it was sad to see baseball and softball cut short because they had so much potential to do great things. You know, baseball was, I think they had won six out of seven going into that Coastal Carolina weekend series when the season was canceled and softball was on a roll. Um, But, you know, when you have more serious issues like a a COVID pandemic, you obviously have to take extra precaution and be very careful. And back then, we didn't know as much as we did about this thing, right? I mean, it was brand new. It was something we've never seen before. And then all of a sudden now, fast forward to nine, ten months later, we have a vaccine out. Uh, pe- more people are getting immune to it. Obviously, the numbers are growing, which isn't good. But we know a lot of more about this where we can deal with and we have more of a contingency plan in order. So, uh, you know, 2020 was a great year when it came to pushing the brand. Uh, I think there was a lot more opportunity, you know, with football success and, you know, Coach Napier, his name being popped up for like every single P5 job that, that, comes, that comes open. But uh, hopefully 2021, we can see a lot more normality moving forward with this pandemic, hopefully being a little bit more under control than what we saw last March. So things are looking up for Louisiana athletics. I'm very excited. I know you guys are very excited. And now that we're in the month of January, fresh year, fresh start. And, uh, let's see what happens. I'm excited. Ready to go.
2: Well, I'll, I'll take it a step further. You know, before sports were infected with politics and COVID-19, uh, sports served as a refuge for people. And, uh, Specific to the Acadiana area, uh, Raging Cajun football was that refuge this year in 2020, well, this past year in 2020. I mean, really, it really contributed to my mental health to be able to put the TV on week after week and, and have something to look forward to and, and root for and, and, you know, witness a, a historic season for a team that, I mean, let's be honest, uh, we all grew up watching and it, it's been difficult to follow, you know, time from. From time to time, this year was not one of those times. This was uh, an exciting season. It's an exciting time to be a Cajun with the leadership we have in place. Uh, I, you know, take away Cajun football for the better part of five months, and it would have been pretty boring and maybe a little depressing. So, of course, 2021 has all the promise. There's always, there's always you know, hope springs eternal. Uh, there's always positivity in the unknown. So I'll go into 2021 with, uh, you know, with, with a, a bit of optimism, uh, especially for baseball. I mean, maybe because we were looking forward to a coastal ser- series that never came. Isn't it funny how this thing, this coastal theme, just keeps repeating itself? We're getting ready for a series with coastal. <laughs> we get baseball canceled. We were getting ready for a Sun Belt Championship in football. We get it canceled. I mean, look, it's, it's cancel Carolina now. That's what I'm going to call them. But, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to baseball. Obviously, baseball is my 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 sport. I mean, I love I love baseball. That's my thing. But I think this year we 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 will see the continuation of what was a culture tweak in the baseball program. Uh, like Jerry said, they were already starting to turn the corner. You saw some things starting to change, some belief, um, some 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 of that grinder spirit. And I know it's it's become overused the grinder thing. But you know, Matt Dagg's brought that to Lafayette, so he's back. He's got his his machine rolling. You see the recruiting classes rolling in. Uh, we're going to have some, some experience coming back. You know, we get that year of eligibility that's going to be blanketed across all of NCAA sports. You know, you never know. that. I mean, that can, that can go both ways, actually. It can pay off or it can kind of cause some problems. But either way, you're going to have a very interesting, very different baseball season. Um, you know, hopefully basketball can – get some momentum down the stretch and, and make some things happen. Maybe we'll go dancing in March. That'd be fun. Uh, and by the way, just heard that the the dance is going to be held a hundred percent in Indiana. And to me, that's where it should be always. I mean, that's the basketball capital of the world. So Maybe we'll be there. Maybe we won't, but uh, either way, you know, 2021 again is, is going to, it's going to bring some promises. We'll see. Yeah.
1: No you question. know, Good, good, Josh. I,
3: I, I have to laugh. You brought up a, a funny point about Coastal Carolina. You know, it's ironic. There's a little bit of parallelism here because back in March, uh, the weekend series that was supposed to happen before the season got canceled, Coastal Carolina's baseball team was in Lafayette when it happened. Uh, they were they were in town, and so uh, I find it funny that it kind of to uh, <laughs> so the plot thickens. They and were trying to what, get us back. That's what happened. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. They were here <laughs> ready for the baseball team, uh, baseball weekend series. It was the conference opener. They had traveled to Lafayette. The game was ready to go. And then right when they were they got here, I think within a day or two, they basically canceled the season. So I guess we're, they were returning the favor whenever our team traveled to Conway for the Sunbelt uh, Championship uh, this past December. So it kind of actually, it actually balanced out. There's a little yin to the yang there. Uh, so it's actually <laughs> funny parallelism, but uh, maybe from now on, whenever we travel to Conway or, or, or Coastal comes to
1: Latvia, maybe ho-
3: hopefully there's no more cancellations from there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, can- Cancel Carolina. I like that name. Uh, so, guys, basically, what we're gonna do in this episode is we're going to completely recap the year of 2020. We're gonna start with. Football's victory in the Lending Tree Bowl, and we're going to bring you all the way up to football's victory in the First Responder Bowl just two weeks ago. Um, so let's start with, like I said, the the Lending Tree Bowl was exactly one year ago today when the Cajuns went to Mobile and defeated Miami of Ohio 27-17. to Levi Lewis had a record-breaking performance in that game, earning him... The MVP honors, and it was Billy Napier's first bowl championship as a head football coach.
3: Yeah, um, it was that. Well, actually, it was it was uh, the Cajuns' first bowl win um, out of state since the 1940s. I believe they won the last bowl game in 1944 in Houston, Texas. So it was their first out of state bowl win uh, in over almost 80 years. <laughs> so that was that was a huge accomplishment in itself um it, it, it showed everybody we could actually win other bowl games besides just the new orleans bowl uh i had the chance to go it was a lot of fun um uh, you know and on top of that um i know a lot of times g5 bowl games tend to be a little bit more ignored than the playoff system now i know even coach nick saban brought that up to the media like you know you guys focus on the playoffs and you don't focus on the other bowls which is why so many players opt out now because the playoff if you don't make the playoff you're not most players just don't play which i understand it and and so uh in this particular bowl game what was great was uh not only did the cajuns win out of state but they also beat the mac champion uh, you know a fellow g5 conference member uh who like i said who happened to win their conference championship game in miami ohio so uh, it was a nice win, and uh, we had a good time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Levi played lights out. I mean, I think that was his best game as a Cajun. But uh, it was great to see the Cajuns win one um, out of state on the road, and it definitely really started the momentum shift into 2020 uh, and in what we saw this past uh, season, uh, in the, this past fall.
2: I agree that it was a momentum builder, and it wasn't even as close as 27-17. We thoroughly dominated that game. I thought Levi grew up a lot in that game. I agree with that, Jerry. Uh, I, I love the way our defense played. Um, I, I just like it, it's just something different, you know. I know people don't make much about it, but you go to a different bowl; it's a totally different situation. I know the year prior, we went to the Cure Bowl. We ended up losing to a better Tulane team. I mean, let's be honest. At that point in Billy's tenure, uh, Tulane was the better team, and first had it rolling over there. So uh, I think that. It was important. It was important, an important step in our maturation as a, a winning program, and it really set us up for the success that we had in 2020. I enjoyed uh, the bowl experience. I didn't know what to expect out of Mobile. Uh, to be honest with you, I didn't spend much time in Mobile up to that point. So, enjoyed the the, the festivities and everything that went along with it. I thought they did a great job over there. Um, and we had a great time, you know, visited with some old friends. I actually sat down with old Dave Schultz, had a beer or two, uh, talked about uh, among other things politics, but outside of that, you know, what, really good experience and on the field, I, I thought you saw some guys grow up, and I really think it propelled us uh, to that. I mean, really, the, the Iowa State win—I mean, first game in twenty twenty.
1: Yeah, um, that definitely a momentum builder. Definitely, you know, I, I would say that was a big, you know, foundation piece of of, of things to And come. look,
2: this is this is another important point about that. That game was so late in the season, you know, one of the very last bowls. We got to practice up until January the sixth, so we got a lot more reps, more time, more preparation, uh, everything that goes along with, uh, you know, all of the things that you do to be uh, prepared for a ball game. So that's there's nothing but good that goes along with.
1: It. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely uh, agree with you, agree with you there on that one. Uh, transition, you know. Now, from football to the sport that was actually started in 2019 and fled into 2020, and of course, I mean men's and women's basketball. Uh, I'll start with the women's a little more positive than the men's in 2019, 2020. Uh, Gary Broadhead's crew went 19 and 12 last year, 10 and 8 in the conference, 11 and 5 at home, and 8 and 7 on the road, uh, picking up some. Some big conference wins. And eventually, I don't remember they got to the semifinals. No, I'm sorry. Yes, they got to the semifinals, but the semifinals were never played. Um, they were they were canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, but they did win their two games that they played in the Sunbelt Conference tournament. As for the men, like I said, not nearly as positive. 14 and 19 for Bob Marlin and company, eight and twelve in the conference. Last season, they went 10 and 6 at home, 3 and 12 on the road.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, you know, one thing about Coach Broadhead's teams is, uh, you know, the year before last, and it's funny because this happened back to back with both men's and women's basketball. You know, the year before, Gary, uh, Gary's team had a lot of uh, injury issues, very similar to what Coach Bob had, you know, with his men's basketball team last season. Um, but one thing about Coach Gary Broadhead's teams is that they've they seem to get hot around around conference tournament time because they'll finish the season and, and they'll finish with a winning record, but then they'll go into the conference tournament and they'll start winning some games that a lot of people don't expect them to win. Uh, a few years ago, they got as far as the conference final and, and lost to a really good Troy team, but battled the entire game. And, and I think, I'm not sure if I remember correctly if they got into like a consolation tournament or not. I don't think they did, but. Um, one thing about his team is that he's able to get them into deep into the conference tournament and, and, and compete. Uh, on the other hand, men's basketball last year, one thing that, I mean, look, <laughs> I think it got to the point where the coaching staff was probably just, they were probably going on campus and just asking, does anybody want to try out for our team due to so many injuries? I mean, they, they were just, the, the poor team was just playing with injuries. I mean, I've never seen it that bad before. Uh, I, I believe one game I think it was UT Arlington. Uh, my dad and I went to the game, and uh, you know the Cajuns—they gave him a good fight, but but lost in the last five or six minutes just due to lack of a bench uh, because of they just they ran out of guys. And uh, Coach Marlin said after the game in his post-game interview with Jay, he said, "You know, all we did was play zone defense going into the game. That's all we could do." And that just really told me, like, man, this team is really desolate of, of healthy players. And sometimes you run into that, but it seemed like every single game there was always somebody getting hurt. And so, uh, hopefully, this year they've got a full slate of talent. Um, and, and and you've seen a little bit of a difference in depth. I know they're out they're, they're without one or two guys now, but enough enough to where they can hold their own. I mean, they're off to a great start. I believe they're seven and two right now. Um, and so, you know, hopefully, the results change with the fact that they're a lot healthier and they got some fresh talent. Uh, at the same time, you know, finishing even with, in spite of the injuries, finishing below five hundred is never is never fun. So, um, you know, last year, look, I, I'm I'm very critical at times with basketball. I can be a little bit, you know, not, and not to say it's harsh, but sometimes I believe that we need we can we can do better. You know, every now and then, but based on the talent we have. But I'll say this: last year, I mean, they get a free pass. You can't. You, there's nothing you can say that would justify the fact that you know well, it's, it's not okay because, I mean, the team was, I mean, they had a bunch of, I mean, they might have, like I said, they were probably getting tryouts at Bourgeois Hall to get guys, to just to have enough guys stretched out. So, hopefully things, I mean, things are looking better this year for both men and women's basketball, but now that conference is underway, we'll we'll see what happens.
2: Well, I'll comment on women's basketball real quick. Uh, to have a winning split is an excellent accomplishment by that team, especially because they were young early in the year. They got a lot of their uh, experience back later in the year. Uh, but having a winning split, especially 11-5 and record at home, I mean, you got to tip your hat to that. I would say that, yes, they did lose to Troy in 2018 and came back and beat them in the regular season in 2019. So the the team really responds to Gary uh, at times. For, I don't know if it's because we have a lack of size, but we tend to get beat by uh, larger teams. But uh, people on our level that we, we feel like we should beat, feel like we should compete with, we typically do pretty well. Uh, and they had a good season. I mean, you know, there's a chance they win that semifinal game last year if it's not canceled. So there's a lot of optimism within the program. I know we have some young kids that have come in, and supposedly Gary really likes his shooters. Uh, he always is going to coach defense. He's always going to put pressure on other teams with his full-court press. That looks like something – um, I mean, you can sustain that. You can sustain winning like that. So we'll see. But uh, I, I think that I think Gary's okay for now. I, I, anybody that's uh, disappointed with his production and what he's doing, I, I would disagree. I, I think we're okay on, in women's basketball. Men's basketball, I'm never giving a coach a pass. There's too much money involved. There's too much money invested. Uh, there's too much support. Too many people care about it. Uh, yes, last year we had a rash of injuries. Uh, I have my opinions on that, but you know, four year, four, four times in 10 years, we've had multiple, um, injury issues where all of a sudden it derails the season. We've already had, we already have that built in excuse this year. We talked about that in previous episodes. I'm not going to get into it, but I'm and tired of hearing the injury thing, but in 2020, yes, uh, there were, there were some injury problems. Totally understand all that. That's, that goes without saying, guess you just move on to 2021. And, uh, you know, hope for the best. Fingers crossed. I think we have plenty of talent. Uh, But like I said before, you got to put it all together and turn it into a winning formula. This team seems to play well together when they're on the court. You can see the athleticism in the front court. Um, Cedric Russell looks to be peak Cedric Russell when he's not hurt. This year, specifically, I'm saying. uh, And I, I misspoke. I said 2020. It was 2019 that I was referring to. but. Cedric looks like he can challenge for, you know, a top five player in the Sun Belt if he can stay healthy. I, I, I just so much wish. You know what's weird about this year's team is that it seems that they played better when Cedric is at the point. And in the past, I've said that they need to use him as an off guard. So, you know, maybe that works with this particular roster. I, I, all, all I care about is that we get into conference. We win, we win conference games. We're 1-1 one one right now, uh, a couple games this week. We need to win conference games. That's, that's all we have left. I mean, the out of conference schedule is is over. Uh, we didn't really play anybody outside of Tech. Which, look, you got to give them credit for winning the Tech game. Uh, that that's that's a win. That's that's something to hang your hat on there. That's something that you can you can. It's a foundational win for this particular season. So we'll see what goes on forward. But uh, you know, men's basketball last year was it was tough. It was tough.
1: Yeah, no question about it. So far in the 2020-2021 season. Gary Broadhead and his women are off to a two and five start while Bob Marlin and the men are off to a seven and two start this weekend. The men will be home against little rock. Women will be on the road also against Arkansas little rock. Let's go to the diamonds now for, for 2020. Um, obviously these seasons were, were cut short due to the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, the, for baseball, first season for new head coach Matt Daggs. And, you know, we opened it up Valentine's Day weekend, and it was, you know, it was was an emotional weekend for sure. Uh, You know, first games at the Teague in 25 years that Tony Robichaud wasn't the head coach. Um, So definitely a lot of emotions there. Uh, You dropped all three games, one to Southeastern and two to Louisiana Tech. And then you went on the road to Southeastern and picked up a win to finally, you know, sort of level out the the scales a little bit. And then you drop the next night to Tulane, come home from Mardi Gras to host Virginia Tech, you drop two out of three there. Uh, and then the weeknight against Northwestern State, you also drop that one. But then, you know, right there at the end of February, you kind of start to see the tide turn a little bit. Sam Houston came to Lafayette, and we took two out of three in that series, uh, one nothing and then seven five. The Friday night loss was an extra inning 5-4 contest. And then that weeknight, you go on the road to Houston and absolutely dominate Rice, uh, which was very surprising considering the history of success that that, that Rice baseball has. Um, and then, you know, you had the Diamond Invitational in Pensacola, played teams like Sanford, Michigan State, and Troy. You win two out of three there. And then you come home, you go to Lake Charles and beat Mississippi, beat McNeese State, excuse me, Seven nothing before conference was canceled due to the COVID nineteen pandemic, um, which you know it, it's it's a shame because like like we said off the top, you know there was there was a moment where you kind of saw things kind of change a little bit, and you saw this team actually start to give a little bit of a fight. You know they were eight nine when the uh, when the season was ended. But uh, I see a lot of promise for for Matt Deggs in 2021.
2: You know, Matt, I said this when it happened. Uh, we got the benefit. So this season is going to go down in the record books as essentially never happened. So we, we, we were able to learn some tough lessons without actually playing a season where they were penalizing, penal. They were the lessons that kids, that come into the program, very talented kids like a Julian Brock, like a Ben Fitzgerald, these guys, they don't know how to win at the D1 level. They're babies. They have to go through tough times. They have to fail. They have to adjust. There's a learning curve. You saw Ben Fitzgerald absolutely catch fire towards the end of that, you know, that 17-game stretch. You saw Julian Brock swing. Uh, He's got one of the most beautiful swings that we've had here in a long time but he had to figure out how to hit. There's a, there's a a discipline that goes into it. There is a a strategy. There's so much more that happens at the plate than just get up there and swing. And you saw him start to really adjust and learn and, and again, mature all of those lessons play into a season. And, you know, sometimes they can come back to bite you, whether it be RPI, whether it be losses to get into uh, get in an at large bit to the dance. Those, Games are essentially wiped away, and you get to start over. But you learn those lessons. I, I, There are times in sports where emotion and circumstance just completely overshadow and outweigh the games themselves. Those first, I'm not even going to say the weekend, I'm going to say the first two or three weeks of the season. Not having Rome in the dugout was overwhelming for me as a fan. I can't imagine these guys that he went out and recruited and got to know their families and all the supporters that were around him, his assistant coaches, I mean, hell, even Degg, I can't imagine how they felt, especially that first week. But, you know, the time leading up to the home opener and, and all of the things that went into it, the ceremonies, the statue unveil, it was so much. It was so much, man. And I, I am not going to look at those players and say, you know, you guys should have been ready to play. I mean, I can't even imagine being in that situation. Lots of new turnover on the roster, a new coach, new everything, new pitching coach, new everything, and you lost your mentor and your coach. I mean, it's it, you're starting over, essentially. I mean, yeah, we still have some familiar pieces around the program, but you're essentially starting over. And I think that it started to kind of it warm out early on. I, I could see it. They were worn out emotionally. But once they got away from home, went on the road, started to scratch out some runs, but we still hit like 224 with, you know, the complete 17 games. Not good. But again, new guys, new roster, emotions high. They wanted to win for that man so badly uh, on top of everything else. So I'll repeat, we learned some lessons. I could see Degs starting to get these guys to have confidence in themselves. It was starting to happen. It really happened. I was, I was in Houston for the Rice game. They were having a blast in the dugout. Now, look, Rice is not a good uh, baseball team. It's, uh, they have really fallen off. But it doesn't matter. When you go in there and there's history staring at you in the face, our history with Rice and, and all the things that we've done in Houston, I mean, it's a familiar place to us. You go in there and you just completely blow their doors off. You could see the light—the light in the, co- the guy's eyes going off. And he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." So we're not so bad. We can do this. We can play, and they really reel off a couple of wins uh, and look good doing. And you could see that starting to come alive. Uh, I really started to see BJ Ryan take that pitching staff and mold pitchers, not just throwers, uh, which will I think we'll see in 2021. I think we'll see the best pitching staff we've had here since probably 2015. Uh, I know that's high praise, but I really believe that. So yeah, man. The 2020 or the 2019 baseball season, or well, no, it would be 2020. See, it's, it's very confusing to kind of put it all back together. Uh, I, I think that there were so many things wrapped up in that two months, you know, nine week period. Uh, it's hard to unpack, but when you really start to think about it, it was, it was in some ways, a blessing in disguise.
3: Yeah. I, I have to agree with Josh in many of those, in many of those cases that he just said, you know, it's, you brought up a good point about the fact that there was a lot of emotion going into that season. I mean, it was a lot of emotion all the way from July when Roe passed away all the way to February. I mean, it just kept building and building and building. And I, I know a lot of fans will agree with me when I say this, but I don't know any other coach who could have come in and, and, and just fill in for, for, for a legend in Tony Robichaux more than Matt Diggs. Um, I, I think, yeah, uh, Jerry, before you go, I'm sorry to cut you off, no, good, good.
2: as soon as, so you got, you know, when, when road passed, we went radio silence for a couple of weeks, just couldn't talk, couldn't talk about it. Couldn't think about it. Sure. But as soon as we talked again, you and I, when we spoke on the phone, I'll never forget it. I, I remember telling you there's one man that, that needs to be hired. You said yeah. it. Yeah. You and Brian it. needs to go get him. I, and,
1: I, uh, I said, I said the same thing, you know,
2: and thank God that he was able to do it.
1: What, what what better what better replacement than you know the guy that Deggs says saved his career
3: and and also it was just the fact that I mean look Deggs and and Rover were best friends and and you know um, Matt I know you were at the press conference you know my wife and I went to the press conference when when uh, when we introduced Deggs as the head coach and you know there was so much emotion in there but but it seems like it just fit you know in spite of the such all of the sad events that led to that moment for him to come in and and the speech he gave and and how he talked about how Rogue saved his life saved his family's life how he talked about what the goals are what what type of vision he has for this program I mean I was ready to run through a brick wall after that I'm like you know what you could not have asked for a better fit than to to come in and 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 fill in such big shoes that Tony Robichaux left here with his legacy than Matt Deggs. And, and I, I, I stand by that. And, you know, Josh, you're right. Earlier in the season, you could see it on the field. I mean, look, the first weekend playing against South, the first night, opening night, you know, retiring Robes' number, uh, having Rogue's family on the field, um, watching the tribute video. It was, I mean, there was so much emotion. I can only imagine what those players were going through in the dugout. You know, first time Deggs comes out on the on the mound. You know, no more green onions are being played. You know, Rogue's not there anymore to go out and talk to the pitchers. Those type of things, that's psychologically, it's a psychological battle for a fan to see that, let alone a player in the dugout, you know, standing there and not seeing Rogue in his normal spot where he used to stand in that corner, you know. So, well,
2: Jerry. Also, and that's 100% right. I'm a grown man. You're a grown man. It, it was emotional for you and I. You, you talk about oh, yeah. the press conference. Uh, I, I mean, I've been in the room for childbirth. I've gone through deaths of, of family members. That was one of the most emotional rooms I have ever stood in. Yeah. To have those five 600 people uh, basically sobbing, listening to what this man was saying. And, you know, when, she, when he hugged Miss Colleen, like, oh, my gosh. You know. These are, yeah. moments, these are moments that I'm not ever going to forget. Completely emotionally charged moments, and we're grown adults. Imagine being 18, 19, first year away from home. Rogue, you, Rogue went in to recruit you, met your parents, told your mother, I'm going to take care of your son. I'm going to turn him into a man. And now he's gone. It's just, it happened so quickly. So for, for grown people, it was difficult. Imagine what it is for an 18, 19-year-old kid.
3: Yeah, and, and you know, you saw it. You saw it in the first weekend from that game against Southeast in the first night. The team couldn't buy a hit. I mean, you could tell on the field they were just, they were off, you know. The game against Tech that Sunday when Tech came in and shut us out 10 nothing. Look, they, Tech was not 10 runs better than this team. I mean, there's no question they're not 10 runs better than this team. But, you know, when you're coming off such an, I mean, look, the day before you just unveiled the statue, you know, and, and the, I went to the, I know we all went to the statue ceremony, and I mean, it was emotional there, so you have so many events that one weekend, and then you got to go out and play three games of baseball. That's hard to do, and and so you know I I will stand by what what you said. I'll stand by what we all agree on is that that weekend, like we got swept, but at the same time, I, it you can't you can't fault these kids for losing three games. I mean, just the, to me, just the fact that they were able to go out and compete and play was a victory in itself, with so much emotion and so much you know, memory of Coach Rowe hinging on that weekend. And even with even in spite of the results, the the weekend was still a very memorable weekend. There was so much to to remember Coach Rowe by and, and, you know, just the fact that we, we keep moving forward, you know, as a program was, was a huge step in the right direction. And you could tell, like you said, Josh, the confidence when you go on the road to right. I mean, look, the team started two and eight. And you had at least two or three games in that stretch where We had the game one. Look, we had a guy on third base on that Saturday game against Virginia Tech, couldn't score him. We got the game against uh, Sam Houston. You're up by one or two runs in the seventh or eighth inning. You blow the lead and you lose. That's two losses right there. You got a game against Northwestern State where Northwestern State jumps to a big lead. All of a sudden, you rally, and your rally comes up just short. That's three losses right there that, you know, in normal circumstances, we win those games. And I think that a lot of the emotion that, that hinged on, everything that, that led up to the season was still kind of lingering. And I think once they won that weekend, I'll tell you this, once we won that weekend series against Sam Houston, when we went in and, and took two out of three, and then when we went over to Rice and did what we did to Rice, when we took those that, that, that weekend series in Pensacola against some good solid teams there and then shut out McNeese, which it's very hard to do at their place, I just, man, it was it was horrible to see the season canceled because I just knew this team was fixing to make a huge run. But you, like you said, you, you you saw some players gain confidence at the plate. You saw the typical day timely hits come in. You started seeing the team play with a little bit of vengeance. You saw the pitching staff improve dramatically over the past one or two. I think I think it was like two weeks where we finally found a good solid weekend rotation, especially Brandon Young on Friday. I mean, he was... He was solid in his outings. It's sad to see him go, but uh, no, I do think we have some good pitchers coming in. We got a bunch of freshmen lefties that are throwing in the nineties, so we got some promise. And with, with Coach BJ Ryan uh, coaching these guys, and they're gonna have a it's gonna be a fun looking bullpen on uh, wearing wearing uh Cajun uniforms. But the, as far as the bats go, look, your head coach is Matt Day. The guy is a hitting guru. Okay, he is a he is a. Guy is 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 like a hitting Confucius, so we'll be fine uh, at the plate. And and one thing that I think is going to help now is that this team has gone through a full offseason season uh, in spite of everything that happened last year. Um, you know, now they can sort of you know look. We'll never forget Coach Robe. He'll always be there in spirit at that stadium. But uh, I think this off season, you went through everything last year. Now you have a full. It's basically a brand new start, and it's a full slate ahead. So. Now that they have a full-off season under Coach Deggs, they had a, a decent fall, and uh, they got a lot of promise. So I'm excited, guys. I, I'm just hoping that we that our season turns out to be okay. I, I expect us to have a season. There's no question about that. The question is, what kind of season is it going to be? Um, this is the time of year. Look, man, it's it's New Year. It, it, every time around New Year's, this is when that, that excitement for softball, baseball, the diamond sports start to come in. So hopefully in the next week or so we can see, uh, what the what the schedule looks like because I tell you guys there's a lot of promise with this baseball team and, and, and with Matt Deggs at the helm with him standing at third base there's gonna be some it's gonna be some fun baseball to watch at the Teague in spite of uh, the circumstances that we're facing with, with COVID. But uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm very excited and hopefully uh, we have a good solid season and we can get back to a regional.
1: As it stands right now, Matt Deggs and the Louisiana Raging Cajun's baseball program will kick off their season on February 19th transition to Jerry Glasgow and softball. Now, you know, it's kind of funny. You you look at the shortened season that, that they had last year, they played 24 games and you look at their record of 18 and six and go, damn, they don't lose that much in 24 games. Like, like when, when was the last time that you can think of that, you know, halfway through march they were already at six losses
2: well when's the la- when's the first well this is the first time ever i think through 24 games we had the number 1 strength of schedule in the country and number 2 rpi in the country so i guess yeah maybe six losses is different in the l column uh, but dude i mean you played the national i might be wrong on this but didn't we play the oklahoma at oklahoma for three games
3: um, we, I know we played. So, so we played Oklahoma State. Yeah, who was
1: also happened to be ranked. We, we played, played. We played in the two, Blazer. We played in the UAB Blazer Classic. We had two games against Oklahoma State, two games against Ole Miss, and then one with UAB.
3: And then we played a three-game series against Florida. We did play. Um, Florida.
2: It's Florida who I'm thinking of, and beat them yeah. two out of three. Yeah,
3: we beat him two out of three. That's correct. Yeah,
2: it's Florida. My bad. So, Florida, who was ranked sixth in the nation at the time? That's correct. Yep. So. You know, we, Bab and Tony taught us this. Look, the games that you can get, go get them. You play number one, you play number five, you play number 10, you play them as much as you can. Go learn how to win, go learn how to lose. Get that RPI up. You know, if you take a couple of losses along the way, it is what it is. It's only going to, hey, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn, right? So, yeah, six losses is typically not what you see from a Cajun baseball, uh, excuse me, softball team, but at the same time, I mean, look—you at this point, you're one of the mo- most nationally recognized softball brands in America. You're playing the big gals, you know, Florida's and Oklahoma States and all these. I mean, that that that's nothing but spectacular for Jerry Glasgow. It's going to help recruiting. It's going to continue to you know keep recruiting at a very high level because this guy is just recruiting his ass off. But uh, yeah, 18 and six—maybe not the the spectacular gaudy numbers you typically uh, used to seeing from softball, but. I'll take 18 and six with an RPI of two.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you look at the schedule. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. You went two for two against Ole Miss, a team who you lost to in a regional year before you split one at Texas. who was number three at the time. You, you took two out of three against number six, Florida. You, you split, uh, one again, you split one and two between uh, number eight, Oklahoma state. And then you split one and two between, uh, LSU. So, you know, LSU was number seven, Oklahoma State number eight, Texas number three, Florida number six. You got wins against all of those teams, and that includes Ole Miss, who was on rank, but they were probably a top 30, top 40 team. You got wins is, against all those. That teams. is
2: ridiculous. That is a ridiculous schedule.
3: That's ridiculous. I mean, and look, yeah. hey, you came you came from behind twice to beat Florida. Yeah. And and, and, you, took, and you took two out of three at their house, at their place. You took two out of three at their place.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I I didn't mean to say eighteen and six. Like, it wasn't impressive. It's just you know, C- Cajun fans have have been kind of spoiled from a softball perspective, because you know, usually through twenty four games you're twenty two and two, you know, twenty one and three. Hell, recently you might have a consistent stretch of being twenty four and zero.
2: Yeah, and I think it's, it's, it's a shame It's a shame that they didn't get to continue that schedule or, you know, that season because I'm telling you, man, it, I know we go into Sunbelt play after that, but, you know, you have a respectable program in Texas State. You have a respectable program in South Alabama. Uh, there was somebody else on the rise. Was it Coastal in softball that was on the rise this past year? Yeah. So, yeah. you know,
1: you, you got a couple
2: of teams that are not going to be total blowovers. Hey, that, uh, that,
1: that program may have damn well won a national championship.
2: Well, sure. They might be. They might be poised to win a national championship in 2021. Yeah.
1: And you know,
3: I'll take. I'll take losing six games, um, especially if it's against top ten teams. I mean, the the, the thing about it is, is that yes, we start the season 22 and two at times, but if you look at the teams we play, we play against teams that aren't as good. We put up 20 something runs against them. The problem with that is, like, I'll be honest with you, I would rather lose a little bit more to better teams because what happens is, just give you an example, the year before. We went 47-4 and for the entire season. But the problem is that because our RPI was so low and our strength of schedule was so low because we were beating a bunch of bad teams, we didn't even get to host. We had to go travel to Oxford to go play Ole Miss in their regional. So, you know, even if we lose six games, I'm okay with that as long as, you know, we're I mean, our losses are to the top ten teams. And also, even with more losses, because your strength of schedule is so much stronger, in spite of more losses, you have a better chance to host. So, you yeah, know, especially with the RPI, it prepares you for the postseason a little bit more. What happens is, if you're, because here's the thing, man, it's like, like anything, man. You, you, you get it easy, you get your easy wins early on. The problem is you can't really prepare for better competition down the stretch when it, comes, when it counts, you know, and I think that's one thing, you know, one thing our softball team has dealt with is the fact that they play these easy games early on. Well, they're not prepared for the regional. So they start playing a little bit better teams. They start playing teams with a little more pitching. And they can't they can't get the timely hit. They can't get enough runs. And they end up losing in the regional. I think if, if Coach Glasgow continues this type of schedule where you're playing non-conference teams that are really good and top 25 caliber, it'll prepare them for a run later in the year. And then even prepare them for a run in Oklahoma City and have a chance to win it all. You know, they can look back on that and say, you know, we beat the number – team in the country when we beat the number three team in the country we can go out there and we can win a championship we can compete with the best of the best so hopefully this year uh, again I don't know what whether it's baseball or softball I don't know what the schedule is like but I I tell you it would be a huge advantage to allow softball to play the best of the best because we are in that conversation of being the best of the best so there's no
2: specific, you know both diamond sports really but specific sure. to softball I mean it's, it's Easily a top 20 program in this country. Easy. So, you know, I think it's because of collegiate football, but we've been programmed to think that losing is bad. Losing is not bad. It's who you play, how you play, when you play. That's what matters. The ability to teach your kids, show your kids what good and great actually is rather than going, you know, 47 and 4 or whatever and thinking that you're good and then when you see Actual good teams, you go. Oh shit, we're not so good. That, you need to do that in reverse. You need to get your you need to get your nose bloodied early so that you know what it actually looks like to be good. And I think you know, I think those Lindsay Elkins teams. Uh, look, we got cheated by LSU in that Super. So I don't, I'm not even going to go into that. But I think that they had all the pieces except for a number two pitcher. I think that softball needs to develop a number two pitcher right now. I don't know what the out of conference schedule is going to look like. But if it's these high-powered teams again, they need to find number two, throw her out there, and just let her get absolutely bludgeoned, so that she can learn how to pitch against elite teams, whoever that pitcher may be. That's what we—that's what we're missing, and we need that. We need that badly this year with this roster and this coach. I
3: mean, it needs to happen. Well, I mean, we've we've always had that issue. I mean, we've always lacked that extra pitcher because we well, need I, I play- don't.
2: I don't think that that's a, just. I don't think that other programs don't have that same issue. I think that that is well, that is the issue in, well, in softball.
3: Take a look at Oklahoma. Take a look at Alabama. Take a look at those those you know, the Florida. They've got two or three pitchers in the circle ready to go at any time and can 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 compete with anyone in the country. So when you start going into a regional and you know, let's say for instance, take the Cajuns for example because they've used it, whether it's Christina Hamilton, Jordan Wallace, etc., you know, over the past couple of years. When you see the same pitcher two or three straight games, by game three you've figured her out. You know what she's going to throw. You know what her speed is. You know what to hit, what not to hit. Whereas you get two or three different girls in there, and they start throwing different styles of pitches. It's like baseball. I mean, you've got different, different speed, different velocity, you know, and different everything. That goes a long way. And I think that's the main thing with the Cajuns that they've lacked over the past probably the past five or six years. Even in the Oklahoma City run in fourteen. We only had one pitcher. You know, Jordan was still getting over her injury. So Christina Hamilton pitched the entire time. Well, you know, after you see her, after, you know, one or two games, you kind of know what to expect. So I think, like you said, Josh, I agree. I think you add one or two more pitchers, which I know Coach Glasgow could do based on his recruiting skills, as we've seen. If he does that, this team, as dangerous as they are now, you add one or two more pitchers to what they already have with in the in, on the on um, with their bat, Man, this team is is poised to make a national championship run. I think. I think they're good enough to win it all if they get another pitcher.
1: Yeah, I I, I tend to to agree with both of you. We'll have a softball preview of the twenty twenty one campaign coming at you next week. Um, got a great guest lined up. We'll talk about it on our Twitter feed and give you guys some more information there. Let's quickly go to soccer. Uh, you know, Lance Keane, You know, we, we we always talk about Brian Maggard knocking it out of the park with coaching hires. Lance Key was no exception. Uh, Goes 9-5-1 in 2020 and gets the program its first win in the Sun Belt Conference Tournament before falling in the semifinal 4-1 to the eventual champion, South Alabama, who has dominated the Sun Belt year in and year out for as long as I can remember. Um but yeah, impressive work by Lance Key and his and his staff. You know, four two and one on the at home, three two on the road, four three and one in the Sun Belt Conference. I mean, without winning the conference, it doesn't get much better than that.
2: Well, Lance has been here three years, and two of the three years we've had the best Cajun soccer season in history. I mean, what more can you say? I mean, it's really that simple. The guy knows what he's doing. He plays a winning brand of soccer. It's really good because I think we have a, a, a young, burgeoning uh, soccer base here in Lafayette. Uh, there's a lot of soccer being played. You know, when I was a kid, it was all about Little League baseball. Everybody played baseball. Nobody played soccer. Now, uh, these fields, like a Moore field and your your Youngsville sports complex, all this, it's all it's all soccer all the time. So I think you have, a, you have a, an opportunity to pull some people into the stands, go watch some good quality soccer, and Lance Key's the guy to do it, uh, at least in my opinion he is look what the guys done 3 years
3: two two historic seasons yeah and also too you know he's he's got it he's got a history of winning and success i mean he was in what d2 or d3 he was one of the most successful coaches ever uh, at that level and all of a sudden he comes here within one of these seasons he's winning uh a conference tournament games something that hasn't been done here i don't think ever and and not only that he's been able to put this team in the top echelon of the conference and have them compete consistently um so I, i'm very excited for what lance he brings to the table because i only think it's going to get better he's only in he's going into years three i believe and so you know based on what he's already built the foundation that he's already built with these girls i think it's only going to go up from here and josh like you said and i know you have kids and you know i'm sure uh, they've played their share of soccer and whatnot but you know everybody's playing soccer now soccer is a huge huge sport not just in the katiana area but all around the country and so that adds more to the talent pool. I think that adds more to, to the popularity of the sport. And, and around here especially, um, not just the fact that the youth playing soccer, but if you look around at some of the local high schools, they compete for championships around here. When I was in high school at Jesuit, we played Lafayette High twice. And then I remember one year, I believe it was Caracol yeah, Acadiana, they were, they were in that mix as well. So there's a lot of talent here in general. Um, I, I think especially for women's soccer, uh, you know, you got Texas right next door. You can recruit from. You got talent here. Um, Lance Key, he's he's building up that treasure chest for for some talent to bring to, to Louisiana. And I think if he does it the way he, he shows that he can, uh, he could turn this he can turn this program into a powerhouse. And I think he's got the potential to do it. We've got the resources to do it. We just redid the uh, complex where we play uh, just a few years ago. So I'm excited to see what he can do. I've actually been paying a lot more attention. Uh, recently since the fact that he's been able to compete. So it's going to be exciting, and, and, you know, it's something else to look forward to during football season. You know, a lot of times your games are either Friday or or Sundays. You know, you look forward to your football games, but now you can kind of take a look at the – if you want to go tailgate before the game, We allow tailgating next year, maybe go out Friday night and go watch the girls uh, dominate in soccer.
2: Well, this is how you know they made the right hire. Just his presence has made women's soccer relevant. So that right there already tells me what I need to know. He's changed the culture. He's gotten the community involved. I mean, uh, I've gone to a couple of soccer games before Lance Key, and there might have been 50 people in the stands. Uh, during COVID, there were four and 500 people. So think about that. I mean, he's really he's galvanized the community around the program, and that's one of the number one key things to do uh, when you change a culture, and Lance Key does it. And I know Lance Key listens to this program, and I know Coach Silas listens to this program. So let me be the first to say, in my household, we have a, a little soccer star. So, you know, keep your eyes peeled.
1: <laughs> oh, starting recruiting early, huh?
2: Hey, man. And look, I'm on the take, too, so dole it out.
1: And, 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 <laughs> last, and lastly, before we get out of here, the 2020 football season was uh, was one to marvel at for sure. Uh, you know, going into it, you like we said off the top, we were very unsure, you know, what kind of season we were going to have you know, we ended up playing 11 games, nine of them on national television. Uh, you know, the first one in Iowa against number 23, Iowa State, arguably the biggest win in school history. Um, absolutely dominating performance, 31-14. to 14. You know, that game has been talked about every time Iowa State has played a football game. Um, most recently in the Fiesta Bowl, you know, just just a few days ago. Uh, picked up big wins to, in the Sun Belt against both Georgia schools uh, before falling to Coastal Carolina here at home, 30 to 27 on that last-second field goal by Massimo Biscardi. And you know that that was a game that to this day we we sit here and say that we should not have lost. You know we kind of gave that one away, but then you know that kind of lit a fire under us. You you go on a seven-game win streak to close out the year. Picking up wins over UAB, Texas State, Arkansas State, South Alabama, Monroe finally beating App State. Um, Coastal running scared. And then the first, the Surf Pro first responder bowl, a 31-24 victory over UTSA on December the twenty-sixth. Uh, guys, you know, like we there there's no question this year was historic. First time in school history, back to back double digit wins, you know. How, how do you how do you build on this if you're Billy Napier heading into 2021? You beat Texas. Well, outside outside of the obvious,
2: go beat Texas with a new coach and a new quarterback and and that psychotic fan base. You go over there. You have everybody, mostly everybody coming back. We're going to be really good. You know how to win. You know what it's like to beat a team that's highly regarded. Go beat them, and then you go from there. You got to go win that game. You lo- you you beat that game. You launch us into national prominence, just like Boise State did. Now you got to continue to win after that. Don't get me wrong, but that's the next step. You got to go beat Texas.
3: Well, you, you got to capitalize on what you on the success of this past season. I mean, just to review, um, I mean, at one point during the season, I'm on a fan board, uh, an LSU fan board, and they're they their they're fans are talking about hiring Billy Napier. Think about that for a second. Think about what I just said. LSU fans at one point in the season wanted our head coach. Little ooh-la-la, U-L-L-L, little, little, brother, little brother. They wanted our head coach. So, first of all, I never would have thought in my lifetime that we would be the best, the, the highest-ranked team in the state of Louisiana ever. I, I thought that was, you know, looking back to the 1-10, 3-9 seasons, I thought that was virtually impossible to do which we accomplished this season. On top of that, you go on the road to an Iowa State team, who, by the way, are now the defending Fiesta Bowl champions, and you beat them by three scores. And I don't care about the, oh, well, those special teams. Look, you won the game by 17 points, regardless. I don't there care are three
2: phases to a football game. It does not matter if it you're better in happening. one. of. It does not matter. We kick their ass at their place by 17 points.
3: Exactly. So you go over there and you do that. Then on top of that, you're considered because for the obvious reasons of the conference championship game, you're still considered, you're still considered a conference co-champion. And then on top of that, you go win a first responder bowl that has no Sun Belt tie-ins, but you got you were good enough to get the invite, to get the payout, you got the on
2: on TV. national broadcast television at the best uh, the best TV spot uh, slot you can get,
3: and you won the game, and so. I mean, and then, oh, and then on top of that, you, you, after losing to Coastal the first time, you go to UAB, who were the eventual Conference USA champions, you know, the conference where we need to quote, unquote, move up to, you beat their champions at their house. So with all of that being said, and all of that success that we had this year, I mean, think about it this way. And I've said this before, and Josh, you you and I have talked about it, you can't, There's no price tag you can put on that type of notoriety. I mean, just take a look at the Georgia Southern game. Just a regular Saturday Sunbelt Conference game. And look how epic that finish was with Nate Snyder's 53-yard field goal. I was getting text messages from my cousin in New Jersey who was watching the game on ESPN going, Dude, what a game, man. Great win. People from around the country were texting me after he kicked that 53-yarder at Cajun Field to win the game. I mean, what co- I mean, and that was a prime time slot at eleven a.m. Hey,
2: and hey, by the mean? way, by the way, this podcast said Georgia Southern is a good team. We had twenty plus players out because of COVID. We won on a last second field goal, and Georgia Southern went on to go eight and five and absolutely demolish the nexters on national television. Oh, what yes, a sir, what thank a, you very a, much. Amen.
3: What a beautiful thing that was, but but it goes to show you, but that. You you can't put a price tag on that type of of notoriety that this team got. Look, each time Iowa State was on TV, some play by play guy would bring up their loss to Louisiana. Oh, they lost to Louisiana. They, they kept repeating it, lost to Louisiana. I mean that you have, like you said, Josh. You know, Matt, you bring up a good question how do you how do you uh, move forward with this? And and, Matt, and and Josh, you bring up a good point about beating Texas. But first off, in my opinion, you know, before you beat Texas, now. Look, we still got signing day in February, and don't get me wrong, I think we pretty much have our signees ready to go. But moving beyond signing day in February, we need to start. Now, you use that to start recruiting. You got to recruit. You got to go out there, and this coaching staff knows what they're doing. They've done a fantastic job bringing in the players that fit their system. But now you go recruit. Now you go recruit, and go recruit beyond football. You know, look, your university has been put in the forefront and in the limelight for the past five or six months in the sporting world, every time you see a ranking with Louisiana on the bottom of the score ticker with a ranking next to it, look, I mean, you might have uh, high school kids watching going, I want to go to that school. we got a good football yes. team. I mean, how many times have you heard students going to a school because of their sports? Now it's time to capitalize beyond just bringing good football players in. Now we need to get our enrollment up. Now the school or the university needs to capitalize on that. And I
2: think, you're talking about the mission. You need to promote the mission. Oh, my and gosh. Yes. A, huge, a huge way to get that going is we need to get these people in Louisiana vaccinated, and we need to sell season tickets, and we need to sell that place out. If we want a new stadium, we got to show the the administration, the city, everybody involved in these decisions that we are going to show up. You, you, you have to do it right now, right right now. If you can't do it now, you'll never do it.
3: And, and, and not to mention, I think, you know, to my next point, you're right, Josh. Now you go be tech. You, you got a. This is a. You have everything. It's kind of like when you study for an exam. You know, you got all your notes. You've done your practice problems. You've done your. You answered your questions in the study guide. You've marked everything off the study guide. Now it's time to go take the test. Texas is that test. We've done everything this year to prepare for that moment on September fourth, twenty twenty one, in Austin, Texas. They got a new head coach. They got a new quarterback. We're coming back with a vengeance. We're coming back with confidence. We're coming into Austin. Not believing we can win, but thinking we are going to
2: win—that yes, yes, right yes, yes. is right there. Hey, and look, just to, real quick to say it, just real quick to say it. Next year, hopefully, no COVID problems. We're going in with wide receivers. We're going in with a team that knows they can win. And Texas is not as good as Iowa State was this year.
3: Okay, well, they lost to Iowa State this year.
2: They lost. That's, I was going to say hope. that next. They already lost to them last uh, this past year. So, and they they had a little bit of an overhaul that's going to take place. Yes, we it is right for the picking. If we show up and play our our game and and do what we know how to do, we can win the game.
3: Oh, I think I, I look. Don't get me wrong. Texas is Texas as far as talent goes, but you know what? We can go toe to toe with them. And, and and I I I think moving forward and beyond Texas, beyond Texas, next year should be a very special season. Um, I, I expect this team to make another run at the conference championship once again. I expect them to win the West, Um, and and I expect us to win the conference next year. We've got everything we need in place. Now, granted, there are one or two question marks going into the offseason of who's staying and who's leaving, but we have a bunch of key guys that are coming back. I'd like, hopefully, uh, in particular, the offensive side. i like one or two guys, hopefully, will say they're returning. But with that being said, I think we have enough talent to make a run and, and, and do some special things. So, you know, football was special this year. It was the greatest season we've ever experienced. You know, finished in the top 25 highest ranked team in the state of Louisiana, co champions of the Sun Belt, first responder bowl champions. But you know what? As crazy as it sounds, I think we can do even
1: better next year. And
3: I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, you know, like like you guys said, there there's no reason why we can't go to Austin and beat them. One one thing that I am concerned about as a as a Cajuns fan is, you know, the 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 bright lights, the the history of <laughs> Daryl K. Royal Memorial Stadium in Austin, you know, just just everything that goes into playing Texas just kind of has me a little worried because a lot of these kids haven't experienced that.
2: I understand the concern. I would say that we are going to be probably the most veteran-laden team uh, in Raging Cajun history next year. I mean, think about it. You, you're going to have guys. Are, there's going to be a couple of guys that are going to be six-year seniors on this roster next year. I think our, con- our key contributors are all older guys. Uh, I, I think we have leadership. I think we have the right foundation. That uh, you know, those type of environments, while yes, can be a little overwhelming. I don't think that they're going to change the way we play.
3: No, I, I don't either. I, I think I think yes, it is a little intimidating. Don't get me wrong. You go to a place like that, and and yes, the bright lights can affect you. But the same at the same time, I don't think that really affects this team in particular because when you have the attitude of we're going to take take you on anywhere, anytime, I don't think it matters as much because you're going against the team. You're going against a team with a brand new head coach, a brand new quarterback. Like Josh said, you might have a little bit of overhaul and you're playing you're playing a team that's starting from scratch basically so that, that that for us we're really not starting from scratch when you really think about it so we're going in as a veteran laden team against a team that really is going to take a couple of games to find their identity and so for us it's kind yes. of the perfect time to strike so and who's who's the pressure on it's not on us oh it's on them oh look they they look brand new head coach expectations new quarterback Everything is on them because at Texas, you know the expectations of the day. Some of it's a little, some of it's a little uh, irrational. And so Far-fetched. they're they're going to go in with the mindset of you know we're expecting to do this, we're expecting to do these things. In reality, they got a brand new team. So I mean, don't get me wrong. I do I think do I think Texas should be the clear favorite. Absolutely. I don't think I don't think there's that much of a favorite. But I, naturally, they're going to be the favorite. But according to fan expectations compared to reality, if that game is tied at halftime, we're going to be in a lot better position than they are because we're going to know how to handle that. They're not. And then on top of that, their fans are going to be freaking out of how the hell are we tied with this team. Kind of the same thing we saw with Iowa State last year, you know, as close as it was. The difference is the Iowa State fans actually expected the game to be close. They've always said Matt Campbell always started the season off kind of slow. At Texas, their mindset is, we're going to beat you by 40 points. We right. know that that's not true, and that's not they true. They think not. they should win
1: the national championship every year.
3: Hey, that's correct, and just, I think that's going to throw
1: them off a little bit. Just remember, the eyes of Texas are upon you. Oh, God. Well, they're going to be upon their uh, their head, uh,
3: Sarkeesian, if you don't get the job done that first game, because I tell you, we're not going in scared.
2: Oh, he'll be he'll be drunk anyway. Who cares? We're gonna oh. kick that rat.
1: Oh my god. Be kicking, kicking, people out of walk, kick, kicking media people out of walkthroughs. <laughs> September 4th, Let's do baseball, man. September fourth, twenty twenty one in Austin, Texas, the Cajuns will begin their next football season against the Texas Longhorns. Uh, other games on the schedule already. They will be at home against Nichols State and Ohio in September. And then Next, this coming November, they will travel to Liberty, good old Lynchburg, Virginia, to take on the Flames on November the 20th. Uh, Cajun Nation, obviously, you know we're, we're talking about the game. Obviously, everybody's eyes are on the game with Texas opening the season. It's Labor Day weekend. If you can find a way to get to Austin, get there, go have a good time, I, I would imagine, you know, I'm a bit of an optimist, but I imagine that by September, you know, enough people are vaccinated and so on and so forth to where COVID's not even an issue anymore.
2: Well, yeah, better yet, if you're not there, shame on you.
1: Hey, I literally, as we're recording this, I booked my hotel.
2: Yeah, it's probably no. better to do it now. It'll be cheaper.
1: Yeah. yeah good point. And, and, also and, and, a and, of, and of course, I put in free cancellation in case something goes wrong. But, you know.
3: Yeah, well, and the thing is, too, it's Austin. I mean, you're, it's, what, a five-and-a-half, six-hour drive from here. It's, it's Labor Day weekend. You go to Austin for the weekend, have some fun, enjoy the city, enjoy the sights and sounds, and then you get to go watch some Cajun football. I mean, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun weekend full of fun activities and, and a lot of uh, – hopefully we have a couple thousand of our Cajun friends uh, down down on uh, 6th Street having, having a
1: ball. Abs- yes, Absolutely. 2021 already looking to be an awesome year. In South Louisiana, guys. Anything else before we get out of here?
2: Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, what do y'all think about baseball in twenty twenty one?
3: Um. Well, I mean, look, we got pitchers. I think again, like I said earlier, you know, you've got uh, the the team finally has a little, in spite of of COVID. You know, they went through all the emotional things last year with Coach Lowe, so you get that out the way. Now, granted, it's still gonna. It's look, it's it's always going to be tough to go to the team without Coach Rowe being there. Now, granted, you see that big number 36 out in center field, and, and you know, it's going to be a reminder. Good and bad, right? It barely lives on, but at the same time, it's still not going to be the same. It's going to take a little while to get over, you know. Well, really I hard. think at this
2: point it's it's positive way more than negative.
3: It, it's a lot better. It's a lot better. I think I think getting through the emotional side effects of last year, you know, because there was a lot of firsts. First game without Rowe first game without this, first thing without that, first, first, first. That's always tough. I mean, even when we interviewed uh, Austin last year, he said that, you know, there's a lot of firsts. You know, we got through that. We grinded through that.
2: But right.
3: I think going into next season, look, or going into 2021, Coach Deggs has the team he wants. He, he, he did a little bit of an overhaul with some of the guys on the team, you know, and, and brought in his style of players. It's like you said, uh, like, Josh, you've talked about it before. You know, one thing about Deggs, he wants his style of play to play in his system, play with his attitude. And I think he's got the right the right roster to get that to where uh, he's he's molding he's molding these guys to be a bunch of grinders. And then on top of that, you got a pitching staff coming in, fresh in the lefties who are throwing in the 90s. Uh, obviously, it's going to take a couple weeks to find a good weekend rotation, but he's got the talent. He's got the talent on the mound, and you've got a guy that are coaching these kids up. And uh, I think it's going to take a couple weeks to get their system going, but it's like last season. Once he gets the system going and once he's able to get his rotation on the mound, I, dude, this is going to be a fun team to watch. And, and that's what I was saying earlier. You know, now that you got through of last year, it went through the pandemic. They actually had, in spite of pan, the, the COVID pandemic with, with the, the certain restrictions and whatnot, they still had an off season. They still had a fall ball, you know? So, I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to watching this team compete. I hope the schedule is somewhat decent. Uh, you know, based on the SEC, I know we follow the lead of the SEC. They do have talks of uh, in the SEC of having a four-game weekend series with conference-only games. I don't know if we're going to follow that or not. But at the same time, um, you know, they're, they're, they're moving to baseball. They're going to have a baseball season. So that's, that's that's step one. It wasn't like football back in August where we're like, man, are we going to have a season? Are we going to have to play in the spring and this and that? No, we're having baseball. The question is now, what's the schedule going to look like? Who we're going to face? And uh, I know the big talk now at the league, and for your season ticket holders that are concerned, uh, you get, I think there's a package deal. It's either you pick one or the other where you go to half and half only go to half the games due to the fact that there's so much demand and there's only a limited capacity. So be aware of that. I'm sure some of you have gotten emails already on it, but uh, no, I'm excited. It's going to be a fun, a fun year. And um, you know, I I know a lot of fans are excited coming off this successful football season. Everybody loves the diamond sports, even basketball right now is playing well. So hopefully we keep this gravy train of success rolling, uh, you know, starting with basketball this Friday against Little Rock and then into baseball and softball season next month.
2: Well, I know that we're all excited about baseball. Uh, the harsh reality is it is a totally new roster. Now, we got some old heads back there, like Jackie Burke coming back, and uh, you know a couple of guys in that pitching rotation that uh, – they're going to stabilize with pitching, and I think pitching can carry us for a pretty long while in 2021. Um, I don't know how it's going to translate to wins and losses, but I think this team is going to come out with their hair on fire, you know, just like Dex wants it. I think that they – are probably pissed off about what happened last year. I, I think that they have some scores to settle. Uh, and again, I don't know if that's going to translate into 15 straight wins or 15 straight losses. I have no idea. But I know, or I feel like I know, that it's going to be fun to go to the ballpark again in 2020. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm looking forward to, to that old dirt bag grinder-style baseball. I mean, it's so fun to watch. We grew up watching that. That's what I'm looking forward to. I hope we can win some games along the way. But I tend to think probably halfway through the season is when we'll start to catch our – our, our momentum and, and really start to push forward as a, a winning baseball program again. I think that happens in 2021. I don't think it happens right away, but I think it happens later. Uh, bats come around, confidence starts to skyro- the skyrocket, and I think pitching will only get better. I think the bullpen is going to be reliable for the first time in a long time. Uh, I think Connor Cook is going to be the real deal, you know, a la Ademo back there. And he can go long innings. He can give you some relief. If somebody gets in, in a pinch, Jack Burke can do the same. I think we have all of the key ingredients that we need to win in different ways. And that's what's the most important thing in baseball. You have to be able to, le- to win, learn to win in many, many different ways because you play many different styles of teams. You play many different styles of games. Uh, it's the only sport where the game can actually beat you. So
3: 2021,
2: baseball, uh, you know, if it's a success, I'm saying we are at the top of the Western Division and we're, we're competing for uh, a conference championship. That would That would be a success for me.
1: Yeah, 2021, very, very positive things to look forward to in just about every sport in Louisiana athletics. Guys, this has been another great episode of Rage and Review. Like I said earlier, next week we will come at you with a softball preview. Stay tuned for more details on that one. Follow us. Hey, on... real
2: quick, shout out shout out
1: to volleyball. Ranked. Oh, yeah. Jesus. How did I, how yeah, did I forget I, yeah. about volleyball? Yeah, All right, yeah. I got y'all back, girls.
2: Man about town always looking out. Uh, God, <laughs> you know, I'm so sorry.
1: Yeah, what, hey, what, a, what? what a year for volleyball, huh? We're, we're shaky. It's, it's the beginning of the year.
3: We're coming back from the break. But, no, that's a good point. Uh, and I also want to say, based on uh, just not just the fact that volleyball was successful, but like you said, breaking the top 20, cracking the top 25, actually cracking the top 15, if I'm not mistaken. Ring, yeah, rank for multiple weeks. Yeah, and, and and being able to start off on that long streak uh to start the season was was huge. Um congratulations to coach Fontenot and, and her her girls on a great on a great season and hopefully next year we can continue that that type of success that we had this year.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely no question about it. Uh very it it was it was weird almost. You know, I'll say this quickly in closing. It was it was weird, you know, just how in, in a year where you were unsure what kind of seasons all these programs were going to have, I feel like top to bottom, this was probably the most successful year in Raging Cajun athletics.
2: There's no there's no question. There's no question. I mean, look, that's what happens when you have the right leadership. I know we say it all the time, but Brian Maggard is the right man for the for the job at this time in, in Raging Cajun history. So, I mean, we got to give him all the kudos. I mean, he understands the moment when it presents itself. So, hey, Guys, the limit. It's, uh, it's a lot of positivity around the complex.
3: And also, too, I just want to continue to tell fans, and I've said it before continue to donate to RCAF. You can always do restricted uh, donations, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, softball, soccer, you name it. Uh, if you have a specific place you want to donate, donate. That money goes to coaches' salaries, that money goes to uh, any type of facility projects, it goes to supplement programs. You know, that money allows our student athletes to compete and be ranked in the top 25 and be ranked in, in different sports. And so the fans, that's how you can get involved besides just buying season tickets, continue to get to RCAF, continue to donate and support this program because these student athletes, man, they wear that uniform that says Louisiana Ridge and Cajun. They represent all of us and they represent what we stand for here in South Louisiana, our university and our community. And they, they're doing it the right way and uh, can't be, any prouder to be a Cajun now. I'm loving it right now. I'm loving the momentum. and I'm loving, loving talking about Cajun sports with you guys. I mean, uh, just wanted to wish you guys a happy new year, and I look forward to another great
1: year of uh, talking Cajun sports and enjoying some Raging Cajun athletics. Yeah. Undo P. You know, 20, 2020 was a great year for Louisiana athletics. It was a great year for Raging Review as well, and here's to an even better 2021. Once again, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Rage and Review. pod.com You can find episodes, blog posts, you name it. Uh, shout out to the sponsors as well on there. And, guys, like I said, we'll be back next week with a softball preview. Looking forward to the 2021 season. We'll see you guys soon. Hello, Molly.
0: Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Ranging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax-deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white go Cajuns Schilling distributing company Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years has been a proud supporter of Louisiana athletics for many of those years now they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the region review podcast This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 Ragin' Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today. Acadiana Business Owners. Are you looking for custom solutions from local professionals that understand your business needs? Maybe you're looking to streamline your processes, become more efficient, and achieve elevated peace of mind? Utilizing a combined 30 years of experience in the financial and technology fields, the Vaulted Security team is ready to assist you with reaching your goals. From credit card processing, internet and phone services, website hosting and design, to hosted cloud, even digital marketing and recovery software, Vaulted Security can do it all. Here's a message from solution specialist, Anna Bourgeois.
3: Hi, I'm Anna Bourgeois, your solution specialist, and it's my goal to understand how we can make your business run more efficiently while increasing profits. I'm very passionate about doing business genuinely. In the merchant services industry and other business areas, it's hard to find a partner that you can trust without question. I'm here to change that perception. Give me a chance to show you what true partnership is all about.
0: Contact Anna today at 337-210-4272 or email Anna at vaulted security dot com. Awardmaster, located at 3219 Johnston Street, is the only award shop licensed by Louisiana Athletics. In business in Lafayette for over 45 years, Awardmaster creates one-of-a-kind trophies, medals, and awards using a wide variety of materials, including resin, glass, wood, acrylic, and more. Owners Adam and Sarah Lopez are proud UL alumni, as well as Cajun Cooking Club members. Adam and Sarah can also help with your business promotional items. Rage and Review trust Awardmasters for all of their needs. And you will too. Awardmasters is so much more than just an award shop. Give Awardmasters a call today. 337-984-1414 or go to awardmaster.com. Awardmaster, the recognition and personalization experts. P.S.C. Supply and Hardware, locally owned since 1987, is the official hardware store, the Range and Review podcast. P.S.C. is Louisiana's oldest dealer of Traeger grills and one of two platinum dealers in the state. P.S.C. is your barbecue headquarters, carrying P.K. and Weber grills, Blackstone products, and the largest selection of barbecue seasonings in South Louisiana. Do you need propane? On sale every Saturday. What about pellets for your electric smokers? That's on sale every Saturday, too. Come see what in and the gang out at PSC Supply and Hardware, 1014 Albertson Parkway in Broussard, or call 337-837-2811. Check out their website, pscsupply.com.